0: Okay. Good morning, uh, I'd like to welcome you again to uh, New Life, <laughs> Church of God. Uh, as you can see, Pastor Kufel is not here today, I'm here. My name is Joanne Cianci. Um, New Life is located at 1021 7 Center Street, Wapaton. And the phone number is 701-642-3487 if, if um, you would like to call pastor uh, during the week. Uh, we are continuing in the book. Um, I've been preaching the last uh, two or three times that I've been here from uh, the book of Jonah, um, the chapter, chapter 4. And I would like to read my text first. I'm reading from the New King James Version, but it it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Starting with uh, chapter 4, verse 1. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city where he made himself a shelter and sat under the shade till he might see what would happen to become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant, and it made it to come over Jonah that it might be a shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for this plant. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared it warm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened that when the sun erodes, the God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head, so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, "It is better for me to die than to live." And then God said to Jonah, "Is it right for you to be angry about the plant?" And he said, "It is right for me to be angry even unto death." But the Lord said, "You have pity on a plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow." which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not have pity on Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and also much livestock? Excuse me, I'm going to take a drink. And unfortunately God God ends it with that. He leaves us with a cliffhanger this morning and verse eleven and we do not know what happens after that. Going back to um <clears throat> I'm gonna go back to uh chapter three, verse two, from and it says, Arise and go, God this was got what God the message that God gave to Jonah. It's only about eight eight or nine, maybe ten uh, words long and it says arise go to Nineveh that great city and preach it, to it the message I tell you and then uh, chapter 3 verse 4 and Jonah began to enter the city he did obey then on the first day he walked and then he cried out and said yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown shall be overthrown And as I was coming here today, it takes me about an hour to get here from Fargo, I heard the message from another church preaching on the same thing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And he said, the pastor there said, there are two meanings to that that last word, overthrown. Two meanings, okay? One is that you will be overthrown and destroyed, and the other meaning is, you will be overthrown and changed. Overthrown and changed. And here we've got two things going on here. Jonah in chapter 4 is talking, he's is hoping that this great city of so many people that had so much commerce going through and such a great influence is going to be overthrown and destroyed. Overthrown and destroyed. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is for this city to be overthrown, overthrown by repentance and changed. And changed. And we, we have to work through this chapter to see what happens. And see what happens to the attributes that God has, that Jonah names out in um, verse 2. But first of all, verse 1 says um, we have to see what happens to Jonah. Okay, And it also happens in our own lives so many times. But it, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He wasn't just plain old displeased. He was very displeased that God saw their works in chapter 3 and God repented. He repented from uh, wanting to destroy them okay he saw their hearts they changed their hearts their hearts were changed before god these heathen people these people that were so destructive and so um uh, they were such horrible enemies they they tortured people they um they killed them when they captured them they were wicked people and they their hearts were changed before the lord <coughs> But this displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. He became angry. Now watch the words. Displeased means to have a feeling of annoyance. He went beyond annoyance. Angry means to cause a feeling of active hostility or opposition. Active active hostility or opposition. Active opposition. Even though on the outward appearance, in chapter 3, he had obeyed God, he had proclaimed the message, that very short message, um, and the people listened, even even unto the king. The king went into mourning and put on, took away, put away his royal robes and put on sackcloth and mourned before God. And um, Jonah goes on in chapter, in verse two, and he, and he prays the Lord and says, "Ah God, wasn't this what, was, what I said was going to happen when I was in my country? and that's why I flew. I, um, I left and ran to Tarsus because I knew. And he names the attributes of God. You are gracious and merciful. You are slow to anger. You are abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. This is God, one who relents from doing harm. Even when people are wicked, he relents from doing harm. So Jonah makes a point in verse 2, and he goes on in verse 3 to say, Therefore, this is my point, God. Please take my life from me. For it is better than I die than live. Because of what Jonah thought was going to happen, and God didn't do, now Jonah is having a a human sized tantrum, an adult sized tantrum, and saying, "Just because God, you didn't do what I wanted to wanted you to do, but I think these people deserve, I want to die." I want to die. Um, don't you think right now Jonah is playing God a little bit? Don't you think he is playing God, that he's going to decide what's happening to these people? And the last verse in this chapter says there's 120 people, 120,000, I'm sorry, 120,000 people, that are so young that they don't know their right from their left hand. They are young, maybe toddlers, maybe baby, perhaps babies, they are young. And Jonah is willing for all these, these the adults and these little ones to be destroyed. Watch here, people, watch. When our hearts aren't right before God, our priorities aren't right either. Our priorities aren't right either. So in verse 3, Jonah is displaying active opposition, active hostility to what God wants to do. In verse 4, God says, Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Is it right for you to be angry? How many times do we get angry at God because something hasn't turned out right for us? How many times do we want something else to happen instead of what God wants to happen but we have to we have to realize understand we are not God we are not God we will not ever be God we are humans we are created by God we are not the creator and we can't make these life and death situations decisions without uh, the knowledge that God has and God has the knowledge and not us. Was it right for God to be angry? No. No, we have to say, no, it wasn't right for God to be angry. God's plan is, was, and still is to save the lost, to save everyone that will come to him. That is his plan. In Second Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slack." concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but as long-suffering toward us, not willing, not willing, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that repentance, um, I talked about this um, maybe two or three times ago that I preached here. True repentance. What is true repentance? True repentance there's four points to true repentance. It's not just about saying you're sorry, okay? That's just the beginning. But the first one is to remind our, admit our sin and humble ourselves before God. That's hard enough, okay? To, nobody likes to to um, admit that they're wrong, do we? Two is to accept God's discipline. Three is to, to go to someone else if you round them and ask for their forgiveness. And four is to listen to God speaking and obey. Those are all hard things to do sometimes. All hard things to do. Because again, we don't want to admit that we're wrong, but when we do these things, we set ourselves free. We set ourselves free from the chains that, that pull us down. We set ourselves free. To worship God, we set ourselves free to be where we need to be. And there's something interesting that's happening. Um, I go to a different church on Sunday morning, and he is the pastor there. Has incorporated uh, something that I have not seen before, but it speaks to my spirit. Um, Before we worship, before we enter worship and praise, we confess our sin before God. That we can be free to worship Him with a clean spirit, a clean heart. And that speaks to my heart because you know what? Uh, During the week, we come against things, we rub shoulders with the world, and whether we like it or not, we we come away sometimes with some of their attitudes. Or maybe we get hurt during the world, during the time we're walking around um, in the world every day. And we need we need to give it we need to come before God with a clean heart and worship. So in Second Peter three nine, again, this is important. The Lord says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some would count slackness, but is long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should have should come to repentance. In this case, Jonah's actions have caused him. These circumstances, how often do our actions put us in places of trouble and trials? Verses 5 through 11, um, God prepared a great fish and now he prepared a gourd, a plant to give Jonah shelter and comfort. But also a lesson is in store for him. Consider this. Did Jonah place far too much value on that plant? God who promised the plant for his comfort and yet he gave God no praise. A plant, a temporary thing compared to the lives of over 120,000 people and livestock. God was going to destroy the livestock too. He was going to wipe the whole place out. Did Jonah forget so easily being swallowed up by that great Fish so soon, did he forget? So soon that that um, horrible experience of ending up in the fish's stomach. Did he forget that so soon? I came across a devotion that has a lot to do with this um, sermon. It's a, and uh, the scriptures from 109 verses, um, Psalms 119, 71 and 72. It sounds a little foreign to us, but it says it is good. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. What? The scripture says this. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes, your laws. The law of your mouth is better to me. The law of the mouth from, from the Lord is better to me than thousands of shekels of gold and silver. To be afflicted means to have a problem or illness, causing pain or suffering. And, and the, the verse says, it is good for me to be afflicted, that I may learn your laws. Because for some reason, some strange reason, we a lot of times we human creatures... We only come to God when we're in trouble. We only come to God when we're in trouble. And then we find out who God is. And then we learn from God. And we lean on God. And we learn to trust Him. It also says the law of your mouth, the law of From your mouth, Lord, is better to me than thousands of shekels of gold and silver, more valuable than great wealth. More valuable than great wealth is what God says to us. When we know the voice of God, whatever he says to us is more valuable than anything on earth. And there's a a devotion from from, um, August, rather, (laughs) from Charles Stanley that says, self-inflicted adversities, self-inflicted difficulties. At one time, there used to be a com- uh, comedian on TV that used to say, the devil made me do it. I'm dating myself, but this, this was uh, whenever something they, he did something wrong, he would say, the devil made me do it. And for a while there, a lot of people picked up on that phrase. But the devil tempts us. He doesn't make us do it. We decide to do it ourselves. We can't blame it on the devil. We we make choices. And that's what this this devotion is about, self-inflicted adversity. The difficulties we face originate from one of three sources. Some are allowed by the Lord. That's one. To develop our faith. Others are the result of Satan's attacks. We can still turn to God, and still others could be due to our own sinful choices. Unfortunately, Jonah falls into that last category. As you can see, these three causes, which type is the hardest for you to bear? I think most of us would say that the last one, because we have no one to blame but ourselves. It seems as if no good could possibly result. Since Galatians 6 7 says, We reap what we have sown, we see nothing ahead except painful harvest. And I'm sure we've, um, if you've been a Christian any amount of time in your life, that um, you realize. We do, we do reap from what we sow. Sometimes there are consequences to what we've done. But this is the, this kind of thinking fails to take into account the Lord's redemptive powers. He can still use our failures to teach us valuable lessons, to respect or to fear Him, to hate evil, and to walk in obedience. The, what we can learn... Can also be our protection from sin in the future. So, in the end, even our own mistakes are not wasted. Even our mistakes that we make in sin are not wasted when we turn to God, because because we will learn lessons, because we can um, we can turn away from what we've done in the past, because we can go forward. And we, we will see, you know, no, there's nothing new under the sun. The scriptures say that. We will see somebody else in the same situation. And we, ha- we now have a testimony. We have empathy for that person. We can bring that person to God, to to the Lord, be a witness to them. We can pray for them because we've been there where they are going. As painful as your situation may be, the Heavenly Father deserves thanks for caring enough to discipline lovingly. Now it's up to you. How will you respond to his warning? When we learn from experience, the scars of sin can lead us to restoration and a renewed intimacy with God. When we rise above these things that bring us down, when we rise above our mistakes, 1 Thessalonians five eighteen says, "In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." God can bring us out, no matter how how bad, how bad, how how uh, deep we've gone in sin. God can bring us out, no matter how messed up our lives are. God can bring us out. And I have a quote here from Helen Keller. It says, "Character cannot be developed." In ease and quiet. Isn't that a shame? Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, the vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved. This can also be changed, this quote can also be changed to say this Faith cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through the experience of trial and suffering. Can faith be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved? Faith in wa- walking in God. So faith in seeing that God can get us through anything. Faith in seeing that God will bring us through to the over, to the other side. Faith in God and what he can do. And an understanding that we can understand that and know in our spirits that God is real and his power will not fail us. We can come to that understanding through what God does in our lives. God's intervention. Considering this chapter God's intervention, twice he asks Jonah, is it it really this bad that you want to die, Jonah? Do you really want to die over this? The gourd which Jonah had pity on was only a thing, a plant. And he had no pity on her of over 120,000 people. The gourd wasn't his to pity in the first place. John, Jonah did not plant it. He did not take care of it. He did not make it grow. He wasn't he wasn't watering it or or t- or t- taking care of it in any way. He was was expecting the plant to take care of him. The plant was of little value in this chapter. It it grew up overnight. It perished overnight. Yet Nineveh, there were many souls that were immortal who who had the serious need. Those souls in, in Nineveh had a serious need the message of salvation, the message of repentance. Though God lets one of his own fall into sin, he will not let him stay there. He will not let him stay there. One of his own, he will not let him stay there. As we see evidence of Jonah in these four, four chapters, God dealt with him over and over again, but will make a way to bring him back to him. Then God's mercy, he justified drawing rep- In the drawing of those people in nineveh to repentance drawing sinners back to him as well as dealing with rebellious ones it is in his mercy the people consider this the people of nineveh were so ready to repent jonah just gave a um a short version in chapter 3 verse 4 all he said was one sentence, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he said. And these are some of the things that Jonah didn't do in that message. He didn't show any compassion. He didn't pray over those people. He didn't weep over them that they were going to be destroyed. He just bluntly told them in 40 days you're going to die. He didn't tell them that they should repent. He had absolutely no love for these people. Yet the the Holy Spirit moved after one, after a preaching one sentence, if you call that preaching, just telling them one thing. The Holy Spirit moved, and that whole nation repented. The king even called for prayer and fasting, he called for the fasting of the livestock. And those poor animals, they didn't know what was going on. All they wanted was their food. And they didn't get they didn't get anything either. Nineveh is turning out to be, get this, Nineveh is turning out to be more righteous before God than Jonah. And as we look through this, <coughs> I'd like to point out this chapter, I'd like to point out two points about. God here God's manifold compassion and um verse let's see in verse 10 that he rebuked Jonah for his concern over the vine and in verse 11 his revelation that God says his concern is for the people and the livestock of Nineveh Which should have been, which should have been Jonah's concern. Also, Jonah is angry with God and had enmity, enmity against the people of Nineveh. And enmity means, suggests positive hatred, which may be open or concealed. In this case, I think it's a little bit of both for Jonah. Jonah had his values totally mixed up, totally mixed up. Even though he had obeyed God's plan to go to Nineveh and preach, we see in chapter four verses one verses one through three Jonah had upside down values, if we call it that. He had more concern about a plant than he had for the host for all the people who didn't know God in Nineveh Nineveh. And God in these um, these four chapters, God re- went to the great lengths to reason with Jonah several times. In chapter 1, we see God is dealing with Jonah, the great fish or whale, verses 4 through 17. In chapter 2, Jonah finally starts to get God's message. Chapter 3, Jonah finally obeys God. We see the people repent in a mighty way. We see, his hand, we see God's hand of mercy on both situations, Jonah and Nineveh, in different ways. His, his total compassion and mercy for Nineveh and his long-suffering and his mercy also for Jonah. In chapter 4, we see verses 4 and, and 11. Over and over again, God had patience and long-suffering with Jonah. In chapter 4, he had two situations where he reasoned with them. God went to great lengths, great lengths to deal with Jonah also. And he reasons with us every day. In Isaiah 1.18, if we call ourselves Christians, he reasoned with us there and it, and it says, come now, Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins may be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Many, many times in our lives as a Christian, or even even sinners, God reasons with us. God reasons with us. If our eyes are open and our ears will listen and our mind will comprehend, God is reasoning with us to come to Him. He's ever so patient, ever so patient with us, ever so patient. And we, I'd like to stop here for a second and, and analyze uh, to, you know very lightly, from what we have here, the symptoms and the problem and the solution to what went on with Jonah. These are symptoms. Jonah did not want Nineveh to repent. He wanted them destroyed. And you will notice that it's totally against God's will. He wanted them punished because they were such a harsh enemy to the Israelites. They were wicked people. He wanted them punished. So in his mind, he had very good reason. So very angry that this, that this might not happen, that he wants to die. He was so angry that God would decide to do something different than what he, he thought should come to pass, placing more value on a plant than the whole city of Nineveh and the livestock. These are symptoms. These are not the problem, people. These are not the problem. The problem is Jonah's heart was not right with God. That's the problem. And only he and God knew that. The solution is to repent and honor God's decision to save Nineveh. The solution for Jonah is to have a heart like God's. The solution for Jonah is to change to make a con- conscious decision to repent and have a heart like God for these people. Ephesians 1.1 says, God works all good things according to the counsel of his will. God works all good things according to the counsel of his will. And here's something to think about. Is there a too merciful God? Is there a too merciful God? The poet Robert Frost said, after Jonah, you could never trust God, you could never trust God not to be merciful again. No matter how many times we goof up, no matter how bad someone has been to us, God is still merciful. I'm going to repeat that again. That is a good quote in my book. After Jonah, you can never trust God not to be merciful again. Nineveh repented, much unlike the Jews, who in Jesus' day didn't. Nineveh repented, much unlike the Jews, who totally lacked... Matthew 12:41 says, and this is Jesus speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the last judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah. And see, someone greater than Jonah is here. Jesus was referring to himself, and still the Jews did not repent. Repenting, and I'm not putting any. Um, I'm not trying trying to make repenting an easy thing. I know it is a hard thing. We're all humans, and we all make mistakes. And it is a very hard thing for us to say that we we did the wrong thing and we blew it, and to ask for forgiveness and say I'm sorry. But those words are still in the English English language for us to say. They are powerful words. There are mighty words in our life because when we admit we're wrong and we, and we apologize and we go to God and ask for forgiveness, we are changed. And even if that other person is not changed, we are set free. And Satan has been given a black eye, maybe two. But we must all come to God. And acknowledge that He's our Savior, the Lord Jesus, our Savior, and that we were in need of a Savior at one time in our lives. Or perhaps there's people out there right now that need a Savior, and need their lives changed. And if you're there today, and and you don't know God, or you you're far from God, I would like to pray with you. Heavenly Father. We just come to you in the precious holy name of Jesus. And Lord, your word says that, that you sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Your word says that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For he sent not his Son into the world to, the, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved lord if there's people out there listening today and they're not right with you they're far from you or they don't know you lord help them to realize they can come to you right now heavenly father we just pray that they would say with me heavenly father i ask you to forgive me of my sins i understand know in my heart that jesus died for my sins he died on the cross he paid that price. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of everything that I've done wrong. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life and change my life. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to take over my life and be first in my life. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to be king and savior in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I encourage you, I ask you to call Pastor Kufel today and, or today or sometime this week and and tell him your testimony. And tell him your testimony. And their phone number is 701-642-3487. And I would like to close today with a prayer from First Chronicles 29, 10-13. Blessed are you, Adonai, God of Israel, our Father, from eternity to eternity. Yours, Adonai, Adonai, is the greatness, the power, and the splendor, and the victory, and the majesty. Indeed, everything in heaven and earth. Yours is the kingdom, Adonai, and you are exalted above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over everything. In your hand is power and might. In your hand to magnify and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise in your glorious name. We give you thanks and praise, and we thank you, Lord God, for your mercy and your grace, for your long-suffering that you deal with us over and over again. And, And again and again. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I'm coming to you from New Life. The campus is located at 1021 Center Street, Wahpeton, North Dakota. Phone number is 701-642-3487. And it is Pastor Kufal that is pastor here. And I'm speaking to you, Joanne Cianci. And I'm encouraging you to pray that prayer, to to uh, And if you prayed their prayer, to go forward in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God bless you and take care of you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Karen, I need some music.